points like it's famous competitive eater, Joey Chestnut. A big hello to all you mystery solvers out there, and welcome to Heavy Metal, a podcast about Scooby-Doo. I'm your host, Ethan Brundine, and each week myself and a guest will take you through an episode from somewhere in the vast history of the greatest cartoon of all time. I'm joined today by Peter Bushman, an armchair animation historian and all-around smart person who is here to talk about an episode that will surely go down in history and will be remembered for all time as the one where Joey Chestnut was on Scooby-Doo. Will definitely be remembered for a long time. <laughs> Peter, oh, welcome wow, to Oh, wow, you're show. really hyping me up. <laughs> um, oh, man. Uh, well, uh, I'm, I'm so happy that you asked me to be on the show, especially this early on. Like, I don't even know what your show sounds like yet because right. there have been no episodes released. Well, I mean, you are the person that I think of when I think of animation. <laughs> like, you w- are constantly watching anime and cartoons and all sorts of things and really diving in deep, so I knew I had to get you on the show. Um, and but at the same time i have like i have middling knowledge of scooby-doo but definitely not as intense as you do that's um, that's good that's fun. good that's fine we were just talking off mic about all of the different eras of scooby-doo and just how muddy it gets in the early uh like in the uh early 80s late 70s that era that doesn't really seem to get rerun anymore yeah back um, when things get a little uh weird and and a little less uh polished i would say for sure like everyone hates scrappy but it kind i kind of wonder how many people actually have watched a scrappy do episode in the last 10 years oh yeah you know what yeah, i mean for sure versus just knowing scrappy as a cultural concept yeah i do find um the scrappy stuff to be interesting because i don't necessarily think he's He's definitely not the worst thing to happen to Scooby-Doo. I mean, there are worse things. <laughs> um, I just think that it is a uh, it is more of a cultural um, response to how bad the show was in general in the 80s, like during the Scrappy-Doo mm-hmm. era, than it is to Scrappy-Doo himself, if that makes sense. How do you feel about late 80s? That's something that's really intrigued me, and that's something I really want to dive into. The quote-unquote red shirt shaggy era. Sure, sure. Um, so, after uh, after Scrappy-Doo was on for a while, they pivot back to being regular mysteries, right? So that's a, mm-hmm. a, a brief, very brief show called The New Scooby-Doo Mysteries. And they still didn't have the full gang yet, but they did bring back Daphne. So that's kind of the start of the red shirt era. And she has Shaggy. weird hair, right? Yeah, she she had a very strange design. And the new Scooby Doo Mysteries is is pretty good. It's it's fun, um, but it's it's definitely cheaper than the rest of it. And then you get into the Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo, right? Which is very 
out there and strange. I, I personally like it a lot. I think it's definitely worth watching, but it is not the regular formula. Um, like, there's not and an unmasking just... in it at all. And they just gave it a finale literally a year ago. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, the um, because they only cover get to twelve of right. the thirteen ghosts right. in the show, yeah. <laughs> which is a uh, very funny, honestly. That they were like, oh yeah, um, yeah. Now, I've always heard I, I've always heard rumors that they wanted to have a second season of that show, but they uh, canceled it because of uh, objections from the. Uh, puritanical right like like christian moms and stuff hated 13 ghosts of scooby-doo because like the ghosts were real and they open they have a demon chest and all these things so they they uh, pivoted back to the ghosts being fake i don't know if that's true or not you know there's a lot of urban legends around scooby-doo or whatever which is so weird because the the red shirt shaggy movies that follow up 13 ghosts also deal with it being actually supernatural like ghoul school and um what like reluctant werewolf and i guess but i guess the boo brothers are silly they're casper ghosts they're not uh threatening like the uh 13 ghosts the uh um it is interesting because like they do pop name scooby-doo at the very end of the 80s and that goes back to um to a formula like and Mm -hmm. it goes back to unmasking and stuff but then um after you know the dark period the only dark period where there isn't a show they come back with the uh vhs renaissance right and in every Mm -hmm. single one of those four movies there is an element of the monsters are real as well. Um, you know, Zombie Island is just out there to, uh, you know, just out there, the monsters are real. Then you have Witch's Ghost, and the, uh, the there is a real ghost at the end of the, a real witch ghost at the end of the movie. Then you have um, uh, Cyber Chase. Alien Invasion. And alien Invaders. In Alien yeah. Invaders, there is no masking, but then there are real aliens at the end. And in Cyber Chase, technically shaggy's girlfriend ends up being yes, the real yes, alien yes. right yes it's a, i it's a watched twist. most of these movies i didn't see uh i i didn't see uh witch's ghost which is ironically i think the one which has gone on to the biggest cultural presence because of the hex girls that one is probably um, the best one in my opinion but, but i, I like remember it. i watched zombie island as it debuted on Cartoon Network back in 1998, and wow. it was the scariest thing yeah. I ever watched because I was five at the time. For and sure. you know, they think they tell you that the scary part's going to be the zombies, but it it turns out it's actually the cat people. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's good. It's yeah. I mean, Zombie Island utterly terrified too. me for sure. For sure, um, Scooby Doo's never really gotten back to being that scary anymore which is okay yeah. it doesn't have to be you know but i do really uh i do really admire those four movies a lot and hold them in a very special uh esteem of course so do you think that there's a so you sort of separate those four movies and is it because with the fifth one which i didn't watch because you know that's definitely kind of when i you know grew out of watching scooby-doo movies as they debuted on home video and or cartoon network but is that when they go back to masking 
yes, is with yes and no. What monster um, so, of Mexico or yeah? Legend so those of the are there are explicit eras right in there. That that four, those four movies are you know the, the VHS era, the Renaissance, whatever you want to call it, um, mm-hmm. and then the next two that follow up are uh, are are different and special in that they bring back all of the original voice actors that are still alive. So they bring back the original um, the original Daphne and the original Velma because, you know, Casey Kasemitt, Frank Welker had still been on the on the show, right? So they, um, you can definitely, and they have a different art style and all these things. So those two, uh, Legend of the Vampire and then Monster of Mexico are kind of like their own little pairing there. And then it goes into the... Uh, the sort of era what's after new what's Scooby new Doo Scooby era come out, yeah, where they where there, the it's modernized and that. yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they get progressively worse from there. <laughs> you know, there are some uh, there are some standouts amongst the uh, the direct direct video. Um, you mean movies, better? But, uh, yeah, yeah. I definitely I have seen um, I I have seen all of the different uh, WWE. Not sure. just the Scooby Doo uh, crossovers, but all of the Hanna Barbera crossovers, like, uh, um, uh, shit, what's the Jetsons one called? A uh, Robomania, wow. uh, which is absolutely crazy because the idea is that the big show gets frozen in ice for two thousand sure. years. Yeah. He wakes up in the era of the Jetsons. Um, <laughs> and in the future, everyone is so used to convenience and flying around in their little hover cars that, you know, no one is swole anymore. Oh. And their wrestling is just robots. And so, oh my God. Um, and so since the big show is literally the only person with muscles in the entire future, he easily takes over the world. Wow. So the Jetsons have to go back in time to recruit modern WWE wrestlers uh, to bring them to the future to defeat the big show. Um, Great film. Um, This isn't technically Hanna-Barbera, but the uh, uh, WWE-themed Surf's Up sequel. Yes, yes, yes. Is also... It's very weird. Um, That is maybe the most bizarre... uh, (laughs) uh, cultural artifact to come out of that little uh, period of time vince mcmahon is a seal and his um favorite his running gag is that he likes to suck quote-unquote fish milk out of their anuses like hmm. he repeatedly sticks straws into fish buttholes and uh sucks until the fish's eyes bulge out <laughs> um i can't what more can you <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like as you can see i'm literally like aghast i i can't continue on like my brain just shut down after describing that, <laughs> that is uh that um, is very 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 bizarre <laughs> I'll send you a picture. Do they, is there surfing involved? Of course. Oh yes. Okay. Um, they do surf. It's they don't actually do any wrestling. It's just that all these surfing penguins are. Or oh wait, I think Paige is a puffin. But you so know. the the wrestlers are animals. They are not. 
their own wrestling person. They're all penguins. So you have you have Penguin John Cena, you have Penguin the Undertaker, Penguin Triple H. Yeah, that there's just no okay, no way to explain that. There's oh, Seal wow. Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm, 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 Gosh, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. It's literally what he does in the movie. It's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's unspeakable. <laughs> uh, that, that, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, anyway, so I, I feel that, uh, oh, uh, uh, Wrestle uh, Scooby Doo WrestleMania was often like memed and make fun of at the time, but you know, um, it really does harken back to this important building block oh, yeah. of Scooby Doo, which is yeah a weird celebrity cameo. It's part of it's ingrained into the show, which is part of the, I guess, the impetus for. Scooby Doo and Guess Who um, would be. Yeah, to, it's the genesis yeah. of the show that we watch today. And not only that, but I just watched Scoob today. Um, right. And I had no idea that Simon Cowell is maybe like the third most important character yes. to the plot. He's very. Uh, he. Uh, <laughs> you think he's just going to be a, a terrible, bizarre one off line at the beginning of the movie, but he comes back in a very big way at the end the entire um the entire emotional arc is caused is sparked by simon cowell yes and his opinions about people and culture and yeah <laughs> and how well people can work together as a team yeah i uh um you talk about the wrestlemania movies um they're you know they did those three WrestleMania movies, or maybe there's just two. I can't remember. And then they well, there's two. There's but there's two, but there's also a Jetsons one and right. a Flintstones right, one. Right, right. So they do those, and then there's also uh, a Kiss movie, uh, a rock and roll mystery movie. And then I think that yeah. they probably realized um, it would be cheaper and easier to just make it a show again rather than having to do, you know. But there is movies. one more. There's one more celebrity movie. There's the Bobby Flay yes, one. Yes, yes, I, <laughs> yes. <laughs> of, of who? Who could forget <laughs> Gina De Laurentiis? <laughs> I have. Uh, I have not yet watched Scooby Doo and the Gourmet Ghost. Um, Neither have I. <laughs> I'm not expecting great things from that one, to be honest with you. <laughs> Oh, I'll have you know that Gina De Laurentiis had uh, did some incredible voice work in the uh, Tinkerbell canon, oh, okay. which she also plays a major part. I believe you. Um, I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they have those those few movies, and then they create this show that most people don't know exists, of course, because mm. it is exclusive to the Boomerang streaming service. Um, which nobody has, <laughs> you know. Like I have it for this podcast because it's where all the Scooby Doo is. But otherwise, I can't imagine why anybody would pay for it. I was so surprised that almost all of Scooby Doo's recent output has been exclusive to this app. Um, well, f like uh, most of uh, what's it called? Be cool, Scooby Doo, the Family Guy esque yeah. Scooby Doo. Uh, 
uh, show, uh, season one was on um, Cartoon Network, but the next yeah. 40 episodes were exclusive to the Boomerang app. And, like, yeah. who was watching on this app? Is it just completionists? Like, it, I mean, it literally has to just be people like me. I mean, there are... There's no kids out there that are begging their parents to subscribe to a service so they can watch the you know the great gazoo or whatever the fuck right like it definitely it is just weird old people and and like people like me who you know like i mean i didn't even subscribe to the service until um until i started doing this show like i subscribed to watch uh I watched all of Be Cool on there, but then I I, I got rid, got off of it. Um, I have had the app before, but because it is, it used to be one of the channels that was bundled with Verve. Yes, yes, yes. Which yes. is one that's of how the streaming I, services. That's I how pay I watched for. Be Cool as well. Was on uh, Verve, which is oh okay, its own okay bizarre situation i'm i'm a big fan of verve i have to say because it's like it's mostly crunchyroll which you know i can take or leave but they just have so many weird so much weird anime shit that yeah. only i want like uh space runaway Edeon or legend of the galactic heroes or um you know that i i can't sacrifice it yeah <laughs> it just yeah. has verve is definitely many... made for you for sure <laughs> they have like they have like 12 seasons of super sentai which yeah. is the first time you could really get it av legally available on any sort of streaming service uh it's just incredible stuff but recently they removed the boomerang channel maybe because warner brothers wants people to pay for it I don't know. uh for <laughs> I mean, 4.99 or whatever but but like um like what's new so, scooby-doo and, and scooby-doo mystery incorporated are streaming on netflix mm -hmm. in the u.s uh oh are they yeah, uh scooby-doo where are you and uh scrappy-doo and the scooby-doo show and the movies are on HBO Max. So now it's literally just the esoteric weird stuff from the 70s and 80s. Um, and Be Cool and Guess Who. Like, those are the only things that are gated behind uh, Boomerang now. So I really... But I gotta say, I was understand. disappointed when they removed the Boomerang channel from Verve. Because I was having a... I wasn't gonna say good time, but I was having a time watching Penelope Pit stop sure. reruns. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I mean, if they, whenever they inevitably just fold it into HBO Max, mm -hmm. it'll be fine because you know people will throw on the Flintstones or whatever because they, uh, you know, maybe are nostalgic or whatever. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. But nobody's. I I just don't understand how it is solvent i don't even know if warner brothers knows that it exists yeah definitely i mean to be fair though you know like as i'm sure you could tell watching a few episodes of guess who for this show it's not like it's the highest budget uh production for sure yes definitely it is very weird it uh it kind of uh is vacillates fast wait what what word am i thinking of to go back and forth between quickly uh, vacillate i believe is correct yes okay it is vacillate it vacillates often between um yeah like 
weird amounts of smoothness and then just like very cheap stocky animation yeah one thing that really stood out to me is that the designs but not just the designs but a lot of the poses seem to be ripped straight from the 1969 series which i know that at this point there's such a um you know element of nostalgia for scooby-doo but it almost wonder makes you wonder are they reusing animation or what i can tell you they are not because like i you know i know the uh i mean they might be of stuff that they made for this new show or whatever oh but they're i mean they're I, definitely I'm not, not um, saying they're literally reusing cells okay. because that's yeah, impossible yeah. but right. i just mean that um just like oh they're striking the same poses again and again yeah. when it you know stuff like what's new scooby-doo you know they went out of their way to update you know these characters and their designs and their outfits and here they're back in the same four shirts that they've been wearing the thing yeah the designs in this in guess who the character designs are, are very interesting to me um because they are obviously designed to to harken back to the classic ones but they have they are updated and different, and the where it really shines through is in Velma's design, which I really do not care for in this new show. Um, it's almost like she's wearing a corset or something. Like she's got this very sh- like like slender waist, and she's and her her standing pose because, like you say, they they usually use the same standing idle animation or whatever is um very strange like it's like her back is broken or something and well, it is there not is... what velma looks like to me in an, mm-hmm. in any iteration like i've never seen her look like that before there is this a uh, recent movement right like i think that uh so long the culture has treated velma kind of poorly for you know not just jinkies i lost my glasses but for being quote unquote the fat one yeah and i think that there is there has definitely been this reclamation in the last 20 years of like oh no velma's actually really skinny she just wears a baggy sweater which which i I, okay i don't like that at all like i mean she was never overweight or anything it's just that daphne was always drawn with a with uh you know a size four craziest hourglass yeah Yeah. (laughs) but uh but velma you know you can you can make her more feminine i suppose without having to you know give her unrealistic body proportions as well like i don't really care that 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 daphne has a ridiculous waist or whatever because lots of cartoon characters do and that's just kind of the the tradition of her character and that's fine or whatever she's they found ways to make her empowering in other ways in modern times or whatever but i feel like Mm -hmm. trying to um to to do the same thing to velma is backwards (laughs) in a way yeah i'm looking at the designs now and you're really right it's insane just like she's wearing the same baggy orange turtleneck as she always has and yet somehow 
her bust has tripled in size and it's like tightly tapered yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, to her hips in a way that just frankly breaks the laws of physics yeah, you know for sure uh, does not make sense even just from like a like you said like a physical standpoint does not make sense mm-hmm. and going off of the uh, the animation stuff I do feel um, like going like when I watch the old stuff um, it obviously is also cheap and, and they reuse stuff, but it is endearing and charming in a way because of the fact that somebody had to do it by hand. You know what I mean? Like these people yes, really definitely. did do this. Whereas in this new stuff, it comes off looking cheap and it just looks like it was animated in Flash or something. Like it, it does not have the I mean, same. I mean, it, it is slightly was. better than that, but it, it just doesn't <laughs> have the same an, charm. Animated in Toon Boom or something. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have the same um, touch, you know, it doesn't feel like a person did it, it feels like a computer did it. Definitely. How do you feel about the the way this, sh- beyond the animation, like the structure and the comedy and the um, uh, the mysteries and that sort of stuff, and the way they integrate the guests in, how do you feel, because I know you watched a few episodes of Guess Who, how does that, Do you, how do you feel about the show in general? Yeah, so I've we've both watched some guests who you're mostly going in chronological order, and I just uh, picked a handful of what seemed to be some of the weirdest guests. Yeah. Um, like I watched Joey Chestnut first, which we'll get to. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot to talk uh, about. Which, <laughs> you know, Joey Chestnut is not not exactly a household name yeah. unless you're into competitive eating but it totally makes sense for yeah. Scooby-Doo, right? It's a it's an easy walk to understand why you would bring him into the show. And it turns out they already I wasn't able to watch this um because uh, spoilers I pirated these episodes but I don't feel bad about it because I was, you know, paying for Boomerang right. this entire time until they removed it from my streaming service a month or two ago. So whatever. But uh the the Jim Gaffigan episode didn't work, but that one is yeah. also themed around competitive eating so I, i'm sure I, I wanted to bring that up i yes what i have seen the jim gaffigan episode i think it is easily the best episode of guess who that i have seen so far wow um incredible which is surprising you know but the way it's good because jim gaffigan is working with them but he has an antagonistic relationship to mm. the gang because like the you know, in this episode, there's like an eating competition, and 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 Joey Chestnut and and Scoop and Shaggy are all uh, are all entered or whatever. But they admire each other, right? Like they look yes. up to Joey Chestnut or whatever. But but in the Jim Gaffigan episode, you know, they are rivals. They're trying to not only beat each other to to win this this competition, but also to unmask the villain. And I think it works really well because it is removing the ego from the guest star which is whenever the the episodes are too focused on the guest star like the ricky gervais episode or the sia episode God, ricky really gervais is a problem that one sucks so bad the ricky gervais episode is terrible it, it's i'm weird. not a fan of ricky gervais the whole time but it's just like you know i you know it's the, the ricky gervais episode is uh him 
they're just hanging. So so that's so weird. Is the, uh, the weird thing about um, this show, and I guess also with the new Scooby Doo movies back in the seventies, is that sometimes you know they just come across these different celebrities because they're doing something that just happens to tie into right you know whatever it is like you know oh we went to a hot dog eating contest so we met joey chestnut okay that makes a ton of sense yeah right but sometimes it's just like oh yeah the mystery gang are just friends with these celebrities and and so they're just hanging out at ricky gervais's like expensive london flat and a um cat mummy comes to life because it's possessed by bastet Yep. and you know starts attacking them and i was thinking like what is so like is ricky gervais gonna say like oh don't even believe in gods or goddesses right yeah and just like is he going to use his edgy atheism to defeat it but like they can't really <laughs> do this in this thing which is like meant for kids yeah. so he's entirely doing his like stand-up but it's a g-rated stand-up so it's entirely like like you should do like saying zoinks a lot, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, he's like, like yeah, great observation, him. Ricky. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I don't know if he wrote his jokes for that episode or if the, oh, yeah. uh, the writers did, but whoever did, they were very bad. They suck. But there are a handful of episodes because the uh, Wikipedia page spoils who the villain is yeah. of each episode. There are a handful of episodes where the guest is the villain, and I think that's yeah. very interesting. The pin and Have teller watched any of those is, yet? Uh, is insane because mm. at the end, not only is Teller the bad guy, the villain, but also he speaks at the end of the episode. <gasps> yeah, like they unmask what? it and they're like tell her what the hell and then he's like hey what's up uh i did this because i wanted to to surprise my best friend pen or whatever and it's like <laughs> what is happening right now who who authorized this and who is doing the voice is it teller is it a voice actor what is this it's very very strange I- that's similarly how the uh the Macklemore episode went, <laughs> which is very bizarre. Um, it's the whole thing is about how much uh, Macklemore loves Seattle baseball, okay. which I don't, I I get, I didn't know that was a thing <laughs> about him. I guess, uh, but yeah, he's the villain just because he's such big fans of uh scooby and shaggy that he wanted to be caught by them it's like (laughs) ever since i was in second grade i dreamed of saying darn you you meddling kids so please let me say darn you you meddling kids (laughs) i'm like oh okay sure (laughs) macklemore buddy (laughs) okay macklemore yeah i mean the sia episode is the bottom of the barrel because in the in the the season two has a Maddie Ziegler. Yeah, episode, I'm sure the Maddie which, Ziegler one is fine, but like the Sia yeah. one is the villain is dressed up like Sia. Sia is there the oh, whole great. time and is all about her and how Sia of My Little Pony the movie yeah, thing. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> and uh, it's all about how she and she keeps talking about how she's like a, a vegan or whatever so it has that the ego of her being the center of the episode and also the celebrity activism 
angle of it, like whenever, yeah. you know, like uh, Paul McCartney was on The Simpsons to promote Buddhism or whatever and all these things. No, Richard Gere was Buddhism and Paul McCartney was vegetarianism. But, you know, mm. in general, like like whenever a guest star shows on just to talk shows up just to talk about, you know, their their cause or whatever, it's fine, but it's not it's it's lame in a way. Like it feels cheap. So it it's a one two punch of being all about the uh the celebrity guest star and also being um like needlessly preachy <laughs> and also being yeah, about definitely. Sia. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, and with if the recent Sia controversies have proven anything, is that not only is she, um, you know, kind of this preachy celebrity activist, but she's this preachy celebrity activist who isn't even good at activism. Yeah. Like her activism runs contrary to the lives of the people who she thinks she's helping, right? Exactly. Which just makes it all the more obnoxious. Yeah. But then again, nobody's watching these episodes, so it doesn't matter, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. I also watched Urkel. Urkel um, 1 is a very interesting episode to me. But at this, yeah, it's like like literally what kid is watching Family Matters in 2021. Yeah. Um, the, that's another one where he exists more as a cultural figure than as yeah. a, a person or a character. Because the thing about the Urkel episode is like, you're right that is bizarre but in the 70s they had abbott and costello and the three stooges on that show right mm -hmm. and it's like where kids that in the 70s true. know who those people are and they because like they didn't have things going on at that time you know what i mean so they were just cultural figures so there is precedent for that it is kind of sad though that the equivalent of Abbott and Costello and the Three Stooges for today are Steve Urkel, <laughs> like like that's our our old yeah. comedy icon is Steve Urkel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I and I mean the Urkel episode goes exactly how you'd expect. He's really annoying yeah. and he breaks everything and he says, "Did I do that?" <laughs> Nineteen times. I'm sure somebody at some point will want to talk the Urkel episode on this show, and I can't yes, wait to get definitely. to it because it is it is crazy. And then the final episode that I watched, the one that I enjoyed the most of the ones I've seen, um, is the a uh, ghost of Abraham Lincoln episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is that's what they sell you on but it's not really about abraham lincoln at all it is actually a crossover with the uh 1970s scooby-doo knockoff also by hannah barbero the funky phantom yeah 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 yeah, yeah. which is great you know why not <laughs> Uh, should we talk about just like the concept of scooby-doo knockoffs quickly For sure, why not go ahead um, to, well, it's just, you know, 1969, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You is a huge hit, and Hanna-Barbera, once they have a winning formula for animation, like, to drive it into the ground. Yeah. Um, so there were, you know, low-key, like, 10, 15, 20 other different TV shows in the 1970s that were going on concurrently with Scooby-Doo, that was Hanna-Barbera, and then later, um uh ruby spears yeah. you know the two creators right. of 
uh, Scooby-Doo, they make their own company and then they also do their own knockoffs about all these different uh, television shows where it's just different groups of teens who either solve mysteries or are in a band or both and they always have some sidekick yeah. who's sometimes a dog but is sometimes not a dog, like the Funky Phantom, where um, it's just uh, these three teens who have a Revolutionary War ghost yep. and his ghost cat, except he talks like Snagglepuss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's again, just like, oh my god! Because again, why not? <laughs> oh, this is incredible! Exit, stage left! Oh, uh, these these ghosts are really spooking me, scaring me even. Yeah. Um, and so that and so they meet up with the crew from the Funky Phantom in this episode, and they're competing with the <laughs> with these other characters who haven't been mentioned in literally forty years at the very well, least. Like maybe the last time they've shown up is the Laugh Olympics. You say that, maybe. but <gasps> oh. I have quite the recommendation for you man oh, there's oh, what an is episode it? of scooby-doo mystery incorporated um <gasps> i believe it is it's i think it's like season one episode 13 i think i know the number off the top of my head <laughs> but it's called the mystery solvers club state finals and oh my god the premise is <laughs> that scooby-doo is upset because velma calls him a sidekick right and he's he's <laughs> Uh, he's sick in bed and is sad, and he has this fever dream slash nightmare of the Mystery Solvers Club State Finals, and it goes back to the like a uh, like a parody of the original art style, and um, it's about all these different mystery teams joined together but they all get kidnapped and the sidekicks have to team up and solve the mystery so it's scooby-doo and speed buggy and funky phantom and uh and the captain caveman and maybe one or two others Jabberjaw's there too wow and they all team up and they uh, <laughs> they have to solve yuck, this yuck, mystery yuck, yuck. and it is it is a great very fun episode that sounds incredible i think that's gonna motivate me to finally watch through mr incorporated which has been on my list for a long time but it's faded for a while because uh unfortunately people don't seem to talk about it as much these days but in the early to mid 2010s that was in the same breath as you know the likes of what like adventure time yeah, it's like a like gravity falls steven universe yeah yeah gravity falls like oh this is really like elevated like intelligent dark yeah um you know children's programming right i this highly recommend that- it i would i will say you don't need to watch this episode you don't have to watch any of the rest of the show to watch that episode like it's it's out of continuity it's like a filler arc yeah, in but an anime I, <laughs> but yeah yeah I am I I'm someone who I I have to go through yeah. in order. Like uh, uh Guess Who Scooby Doo and Guess Who is maybe the only show I haven't watched in order in years. Maybe. Well it is literally so. you know, not at all uh it's it's a serialized show completely. You know what I mean? Like yeah. So it's it's cool yeah. to do that. Anyway, I'm 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 so happy that exists and uh spoilers at the end of the show it turns out that the ghost of Abraham Lincoln doesn't <laughs> exist. It was just the funky phantom pretending to be Abraham Lincoln to get the two 
teams of teen crime solvers to work together (laughs) uh yeah Uh, we we stand a funky phantom um okay so why did you out of all of the the lineup of all the crazy strange guests from uh scooby-doo and guess who why did you pick the jimmy chestnut episode or joey chestnut excuse me for uh for your pick for this uh, week's episode Joey Chestnut is uh is is such an interesting cultural figure for me. Well, I think uh like a lot of people, I was very bored during <laughs> quarantine. Uh especially at the beginning last spring and summer. There is this period of time where I just picked up half a dozen new hobbies, sure, of course. you know, that I had just never uh investigated before just because you know why not you know it's like oh i think i think this week i'm gonna get into professional sumo (laughs) right um and so one of them was competitive eating i just absolutely poured over the entire history of the medium but especially what is kind of the world series of uh competitive eating uh nathan's hot dog eating contest which is held in a coney island every single year and it's sort of the most prestigious um hot dog eating festival yeah i mean they uh, broadcast it on espn every fourth of july exactly exactly and so it is so interesting you know when you look um at how it used to be run uh just to see the evolutions of how competitive eating has changed um, so like in the seventies, it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's Johnny, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He ate, uh, he ate nine whole hot dogs in 12 minutes. And that's sort of like, oh, incredible. Yeah. That's like, who could possibly eat that, that many at once? Um, and then like as it goes through the years, it's slowly building up. Um, in the 1990s, uh, the champions at Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest were getting maybe like 18 to yeah. 20 hot dogs in uh, 10 to 12 minutes. Uh, that is That was sort of like the upper ceiling. And then in 2001, Takeru yeah. Kobayashi comes from Japan and he sets the record at 50 hot dogs yeah. in 10 minutes which is just I mean, absolutely Kobayashi's insane probably who um I, he, like he's probably who most people first heard of any of this kind of stuff outside of you know just casual curiosity or whatever like like that he was the first name of definitely competitive eating yeah, definitely. And he sort of held the record and he was sort of getting into the 50s uh usually. Um but then in 2007, uh Joey Chestnut beat his record after coming in second or third place for the previous couple of years. And he has more or less held that record ever since in uh he he has been the nearly undefeated yeah he lost champion like what, once in the past like 12 of, years he lost once in 2015 to um matt stoney but uh yeah he he's 
been mostly undefeated and he's been topping himself again and again and again just like when you think it can't be possible um so he set the world record it with his first victory in 2007 with 66 hot dogs um but this past 4th of July for covid uh they were able to do you know they they had almost everyone except for you know the announcer and the people who are shoving their faces with yeah. hot dogs <laughs> um uh you know they had most everyone wearing masks but he was able to beat his world record again with 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes just think about that um and these aren't like the consumer oscar meyer dogs these are foot long hot dogs um it's just bun and uh sausage like literally yeah. nothing else like no condiments or anything and well, the condiment is the water that they dump it in <laughs> yeah so each of these guys if you've ever watched a hot dog eating contest i love hot dogs i am currently wearing a shirt for tj's dog house which was the um hot dog stand that was right outside uh, the Majestic 10, which was the main movie theater I went to when I lived in Burlington, Vermont. And I just went, me and my friends went to that hot dog stand so often that TJ himself gave us these shirts because we were such great customers. Uh, TJ has now moved. He now lives and has a food truck in, um, uh, dallas texas and i have like i've traveled out there i've gone wow. on cross-country road trips to go hit up tj um <laughs> uh and have his wonderful dogs um that being said hot dogs are objectively disgusting <laughs> like you know like once you, when you know how the sausage is made it's <laughs> yeah um uh uh and, and so just imagine you know when they make the hot dogs for this contest they do it the morning of so by the time they're shoving these hot dogs down their gullet they are like six plus hours old because yeah. they've literally just been producing hot dogs all day and the buns are stale and etc and so the technique that everyone has to do like to even have like half a fighting chance is to shove the hot dogs into just like big gulp containers of water <laughs> just get it soaked in and then just squeeze all the buns so basically like you have to squeeze all of the air out of the bun using water so that it's just this it's like a wet paper towel wrapped around the hot dog right and then just shove it down uh your throat uh the technique that joey chestnut um uh pioneered well takiru kobayashi his big thing i think is he often liked to break hot dogs in half and yeah. then shove both halves down his throat at the same time but uh joey chestnut's big technique is that he kind of like does the hot dogs with one hand he like takes two of the wieners he he uses one hand to shove them down and then the next handful will be the buns because like you can eat them separately legally um but like the buns will just be like you know just like a ball of wet yeah. bread that he's mashed in his hand Ugh, i can't um, even imagine something so gross if you watch if you watch the 
uh, the videos. Like, I've linked a bunch of yeah, things yeah. in I mean, our chat that I may or may not talk about. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I linked his most recent uh, competition, and it is a religious experience. But I don't mean that in a good way. I mean a religious <laughs> experience like... Um, the passion of Joan of Arc, or <laughs> or listening to like Handel's Messiah at the end of the world, as you know, all the sinners are being struck down. It's like it's just utterly terrifying. Um, just watching him consume this much food, but he's like literally, he, he's like crying throughout the whole time. His face is racked with despair because oh, it's clearly God. so disgusting. Um, just eating these like cold, wet hot dogs. It is literally, it is an abomination against God <laughs> consuming these hot dogs, but he does it for his craft. <laughs> um, what a king, Joey Chestnut. What a king. You, so, um, it's just the whole, it's uh, hot. The, the long story short is hot dog eating is very, um, it's it's very unglamorous but you know him and then all of these other professional eaters like him he's currently the number one ranked eater in the world according to major league eating of course yeah <laughs> uh like matt stoney's number four but they often you know when they're not doing these eating competitions they have like very popular youtube channels where it's like i eat you know, 400 hamburgers at once, not literally 400, or maybe like 40 Big Macs in one sitting, and each of those gets like 2 million views or something. What I find interesting about these guys is that they are very, very fit, because like, yes. you have to be. It's, it is a, it's a real sport, and these people like dedicate year-round all this time to train for it, and it involves them getting very fit and and yeah it's just insane it's insane like there is not what you would picture when you picture someone who is a champion eater right they are occasionally um they're occasionally like uh uh eaters who are heavy set right who yeah. are you know like 300 plus pounds there's occasionally eaters who are bulked up but most eaters are like very thin. Um, like they look uh, like Joey Shaggy. Chestnut's physique is the uh, yes, exactly, just like Shaggy. Uh, Joey Chestnut's physique is the definition of average. Like he's like two hundred thirty pounds at um six foot that's basically what i am and i i'm just kind of like you know i, I just got a schlubby dad bod right um but it's like <laughs> like a normal uh silhouette um but so he's 230 pounds so like he's at average bmi but guys like takeru kobayashi takeru kobayashi was 130 pounds just yeah super skinny and most competitive eaters are and there is this bit of theory um <laughs> this is actual competitive eating theory that um not having developed fat or muscle around your torso behooves your eating because basically there is no flesh in the way of your stomach <laughs> expanding um so like you just 
uh you can just like consume all of this uh food and then your stomach can expand and then you you know expel most of it out um it's like you can't just go into it alone though it's like you a lot of these eaters have to kind of prepare for days beforehand by either like like, joey fasts for like two or three days beforehand yeah like both like some people just like don't eat at all like fasting but some people just like chug gallons of water a day uh just to like stretch their stomach out to give their stomach the capability of stretching to be able to consume enough food without it bursting which is just such a horrific thing to I think about I read about this guy whose method was he would make ramen throw the noodles out and just drink the leftover uh the leftover water and that was what that was his sustenance for two weeks before the uh, the competition <laughs> oh my god yeah Insane. yeah exactly so it's just it's there should be this might be like a hackneyed reddit reddity thing to say but there should definitely be a movie about competitive eating that stars christian bale you know um <laughs> that can star someone who can torment their body to the degree that you really have to in order to do this on a professional level yeah i mean i i I think you could do that you could also i'm surprised there's not like a uh that christopher guest never made like a uh, like a best in show about these people you know because he makes all those movies about random subcultures of like um strange americans <laughs> yeah what's the Sorry. what's the oh best oh you said best in show i was like what's the one yeah. with the dogs and then yeah, like yeah, oh yeah, wait yeah. it's that one <laughs> yeah i think that would be good but also yeah like a very serious like like uh like man versus himself movie would be good too yeah um but uh kind of going back you know we've talked about the unsexiness of the reality but of course when hot dog eating is compared is is portrayed in scooby-doo it's just you know everyone has these like nice hot dogs with uh ketchup and mustard on it in a very aesthetic way and they always go chomp 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 you know they're just uh just doing the traditional like hanna-barbera uh crunching sounds yeah um so, so uh that's a good that's a good way to start the the episode the plot mm-hmm. of the episode um so we start out with this cold open um like like any classic episode of um scooby-doo where or actually this is more of a modern invention really but the, um of introducing us to the monster before we we see the gang right um yeah and there's a lot going on in this cold open first off we're watching the uh the eating competition um on a uh, television program completely dedicated to competitive eating called eating sports right? <laughs> yes and it comes back multiple times in the episode they have this you know this very loud excited uh announcer right and uh it just um i can't imagine who's watching that show you know (laughs) my question is was the announcer familiar to you uh i think it's just a i think it's just a a, a archetype that is in cartoons a lot i don't think he's 
I've seen because the way they kept, you know, the way he kept saying like, you know, like, oh, I can't believe they're making me do this again. It made him seem like a recurring character, but I didn't see him anywhere else. I wasn't sure if that was just supposed to be that, you know, he was this harried actor announcer who went through, um, you know, constant strife. Um, Um, Another weird thing, this takes place at, what's it called again? Harrington's Hot Dog Factory? Haggerty's Hot Dogs. Haggerty's Hot Dogs. Um, which, instead of Coney Island, it's in Chicago, which I found, which, uh, which I, I found both interesting and really bothered me. Um, <laughs> because, like, oh, they're, uh, yeah, Chicago is a hot dog capital, but they have special weird hot dogs. You they're know. smaller and smaller. Yeah, and they don't use ketchup at all. Yeah. You know, you just have well, mustard and pickle spears and they, stuff. They implicitly, um, the 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 uh, the tagline of this company is "Don't forget the mustard." Right? And they all, <laughs> they bring up true. relish too, but they never bring up ketchup. But I, I, there's probably ketchup on these hot dogs. I can't remember. I definitely remember there being condiments drawn on them. But but I just mean it would have been so fun if you know the the villain was some sort of ghost or whatever, right. and it turned out that the reason why the ghost was neon blue is because they covered themselves with the you know the bright blue chicago relish <laughs> that would be fun yeah that's sure. uh, famous in the area but no it's just like evil trees yeah so the the monster this episode is uh a living tree monster known as the gnarled one and later on in the episode we get a uh, an origin story for the gnarled one and the apparently the the concept is that there was a cursed tree you know naturally those just are out there but they um, didn't say why it was cursed yeah, it's just no, like I, the I was tree really was cursed about that. i wanted to know what yeah. the curse was it's just a cursed tree i i it's one of those things where um i i think modern scooby-doo or modern media in general but especially modern scooby-doo can't go to the like uh uh a native american burial yeah, ground yeah. anymore right uh yeah, that's which true. <laughs> which so that kind of seemed to be the implication like oh there was this cursed tree and the settlers bought the land and they chopped it down um yeah like, but, okay. but the idea is that when they built they came to to they they settled chicago on this land and built the factory on top of the remains of this tree or whatever yes and um you know, you might expect in an episode about hot dog eating that the ghost <laughs> would be like a hot dog or something. Or like, <laughs> like or like pigs or something. That yeah. would be terrifying. Yeah. Just like a, you turned a, me into into pink slurry and shoved me into lamb yeah. intestines. Um <laughs> that and would tied be it cool. off. Like like a like a like a dead pig face yeah it would say monster. like let me show you how the sausage is made Shaggy. yeah <laughs> that is a it is a almost a trademark of this of this series of guess who of the monsters very rarely have anything to do with the premise or the the guest star or whatever which it's so weird 
I'm fine with, you know, like at this point, you've been going for 50 years. You want to try out something you've never seen done before. Tim Gunn is attacked by a haunted elevator. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like the first episode is, first episode is so strange because the first guest. basketball guy maybe? Yes, the first guest for their flagship new series to sell this, this, this streaming service is Chris Bosch, everyone's favorite basketball player. And the premise is not, oh, you know, we went to a free throw competition or we went to go see him play or something. No, he is playing in a golf tournament <laughs> that is that is haunted by a gator ghoul. And it's like cool. what? Okay, sure, why not? <laughs> you know, like it's just it's just kind of Scooby Doo Madlibs at that point. Yeah. But I'm fine with it, you know. Um, right before mm-hmm. we cut to the, uh, the the theme song, the mascot has a funny joke. And we have to talk about the mascot. Because the mascot of these, this corporation is identical to Scooby-Doo. But they, like, it doesn't play into the plot at all. Yeah, they just like they don't, nobody stole, has a problem his with likeness. it. Yeah. It is, it's, and like, it's not even like, oh, it's just like a brown dog or a great day. No, it is literally just Scooby-Doo in a hot dog suit. Like, it's yes. very weird. Um, but there's a funny joke, like, when after the monster shows up, the guy in the costume is like, why did weird things happen like this? Why did things like this keep happening to me? I'm just an actor. Which has curious implications that it is the reason why these characters are drawn why these monsters are drawn to the the mystery ink gang it's because of scooby-doo himself and how he appears right yeah it kind of reminds me of um uh you know kind of like the works of comics writer um grant morrison right where sure it's just like oh these you know like why do these super heroic things happen to uh like batman and superman and it's like oh it's not because of them necessarily but like the very concept of them of superman of batman there are hyper sigils that kind of like that exist throughout time and it's like if you are a batman-esque person in a different country yeah. or in a different time period or something Batman-like stuff will happen to you regardless of whether you want it or not, you know? I will say, Peter, if you like premises like that, you will love Mystery Incorporated. Oh, man. Just put it at that. Oh, man. We can't wait till uh, it turns out that uh, Scooby-Doo is haunted by a great day named Barbados or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... Don't spoil that. (laughs) I will not. I will not. I will not. But that's that's definitely uh, a Grant Morrison plotline. Yeah, for sure. Uh, You know, we got to the the theme song um, and we, we, we get the title card and I just find it so funny. Um, it's 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 a it's a callback to the way they did the new Scooby Doo mysteries of like them turning on the flashlight and it being the uh, the guest star in the episode, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Scooby and it's Scooby who announces it. He goes, "Whoa!" 
is Joey Chestnut. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, each one is a different person. So, like, sometimes it'll be, like, Daphne's, like, Jeepers, it's Macklemore or whatever. Or, yeah, yeah, or, or just, I, I, like, I love Velma's fat, like, uh, I, did I say fat? I meant flat. That is, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, is yeah. N- unintentional. Uh, Velma's flat, um, <laughs> jinkies, it's Urkel. Well, yeah, very good. <laughs> but it is funny because it's like, uh, you know, like Zoinks, Jinkies, um, Jeepers are all easily Ruh-roh. programmed in there. But, but Rutro is a little Rutro. Like, it's Christian Slater. Yeah, it's like uh, okay, sorry, sorry to the guest star, I guess. And then uh, I don't, I don't know what it's what Fred's is because he doesn't have a catchphrase in that way. But he, they do. You plug him in there sometimes, and I guess he's just like, "Wow, look at that!" It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Sia. <laughs> like, it's it, he just doesn't ah, have the exclamation. Yeah. It's it's Jeffrey Dunham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but as you say, you know, sometimes they're there, they just stumble across the mystery or whatever. Sometimes they are friends with the guests. In this one, we have a, it's explicitly stated that the owner of the factory called the gang there to solve the mystery, mm-hmm. which is, which is not often the case. That's sort of whether or not mystery ink is, is, renowned in any way is kind of very fluid you know what i mean like they kind of play fast and loose with that whenever they want to um but yeah so he's he's called them there because obviously there is a tree ghost as there as you would expect as you would expect this, uh, this hot dog factory yeah and they uh they're uh scooby and shaggy are very um uh, uh, starstruck when they meet Joey Chestnut. Oh, Zoinks! I mean, yeah. It's competitive eater, Joey Chestnut! And that's a that's a fun thing that they always um, uh, in every single one of these episodes they identify their bona fides so yeah. when when like Fred runs into them into him later, he's like ah, it's t- it's competitive eater, Joey Chestnut! And Joey Chestnut yeah. says like, no, I, I, that that happened already i already got id don't worry yeah uh it is good um but yeah like they are they idolize him right Mm -hmm. um which i think is nice it's cute i mean who among us wouldn't be wouldn't be overjoyed to see joey chestnut you know at at a hot dog eating competition um so they 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 witness the the redo of the competition because obviously got interrupted by the gnarled one previously and scooby is so stressed out watching this that is that his idol might not win now he starts stress eating hot dogs and then they award the pickle belt to him yeah because he eats like 80 90 500 hot dogs however many yeah just just while watching the competition um, and, which, and by the way, is... the competition is only two people. It's yeah. uh, Joey Chestnut and it's this guy named like Big Eddie Eats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Eddie Eats. They could have come up with something better. I mean, come he, on. Who is this? Um, uh, this this Chad. He is yeah. this <laughs> muscled out brosif. 
He, he's he's he kind of looks like like a like a total drama island character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, as you say, you know, there are only two people, and apparently the rules are not very clear because they just award it to someone who's not even on camera. Yeah, right? who's not even entered. Yeah, who wasn't verified. Um, yeah. They, um, you know, they really only have Scooby's word that he ate more. Yeah, and as soon as this happens, the uh, the um, the plant monster shows back up, and we learned that while he is, uh, while the plant monster is there, uh, it messes with Scooby Doo's hearing. It hurts his ears, uh, but not any of the people. So that's your your first clue, folks. Mm-hmm. Write it down. <laughs> Um, so we have you know like a fun uh, chase scene or whatever, and uh, and this a, a nice bit that I like is when uh, you know they do the classic dressing up bit and and Joey Chestnut joins in on the fun, right? He uh, he he dresses up as a waiter with the with the the duo, and they uh, they they, they feed the tree the, monster a lot of hot yeah, dogs in order to distract dogs. him. Which um, I will I will say um, you know I thought maybe. There would be like a thing of like, well, the plant monster stands for vegetables or something, right? And like he hates this this uh, this competition because of the hot dogs. But um, obviously, we we see him eat all these hot dogs, and that comes back later whenever we find out who he is. Um, yeah, that he that the the perpetrator also likes the hot dogs, and this got me thinking that it used to be that shaggy was explicitly a vegetarian yes because, because uh, casey Kasem, <laughs> he and, um yeah, he quit the role of shaggy originally because they made him do a burger kings commercial in the 90s yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he would only come back for what, what maybe like what's new scooby-doo i guess um he, he came back yes I, yes he came back for what's new scooby-doo whenever they promised to uh to, to make uh, Shaggy a, a vegetarian. Like, so he only, yeah, he is only a vegetarian. He's like, oh, I just love these veggie burgers, man. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they do that, and th- that's also the case in the live-action movies. And oh, really? in the, the What's New Era uh, direct-to-video stuff. But I guess mm. that they've kind of reneged on that promise after Casey Kasem has has left us I suppose um, yes because they do not because Sh- Shaggy definitely is eating some hot dogs later in this episode yeah. and they do not you know explicitly state that they are soy hot dogs or whatever just tofu dogs but at least they're kosher maybe <laughs> I guess I guess <laughs> um and uh here is one of my favorite lines um just because of uh you know, I I was kind of surprised that when I read, well, I don't know, maybe it's because like most of the episodes I watched were with media figures who are used to being on camera, but um, I was kind of hoping for more just a dog shit uh, of voice acting from some of these celebs, which you might maybe find in some of the sports episodes or you yeah, know like for, sure. for people who are less used to it one of my favorite voice acting performances of all time is uh, this is such a deep cut um in the early 2010s 
of the hub which was the hasbro cable channel they had a yes yeah they had a tv show called the secret millionaires club okay i don't know that i've i i watched that one it is it was a tv series about a group of A group of teens who had a secret club where they consulted Warren Buffett for financial (laughs) advice. Okay, sure. Why not? Uh, The the theme song goes, uh, I'm best friends with Warren Buffett. He's going to help me to do my best how to invest and make a lot of money doing it. Uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, crazy show as it is. I highly recommend watching it. But there was, uh, there was a couple of celebrity cameos in the episode with, uh, Jay Z, uh, where he only shows up for 30 seconds, but it is one of the funniest vocal performances I've ever heard for someone who is so charismatic on a microphone. Right. You know, they they get called into his office because Warren Buffett says, like, oh, I I have, which I think Warren Buffett's voicing himself. He's like, I have a special friend of mine that you can meet in New York. And they get called into the office and Jay-Z says, like, Carter, Elena, Jones, Lisa, (laughs) Jay-Z, what you did for your school is really great. You should keep it up. Uh, I invest a lot of money into my own charity, the Sean Carter Foundation. Anyway, have fun. I hope you kids enjoy New York. And then it cuts to, you know, Alicia Keys in New York. It like goes straight to the, to the montage. Um, I just watch it all the time. And while Joey Chestnut does like a mostly passable vocal performance, I was reminded of that in this uh sequence uh <laughs> where he's like like wow this tree monster's really eating a lot of hot dogs <laughs> yeah. and trust me i know because i'm a competitive eater wink <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's, it, it is a, a great line i also wrote that that part down because it's just so so funny but this is important because this is our second clue is you know like he leaves behind this hot dog and shaggy goes to eat it but velma does not let him do it she she grabs it and is investigating these teeth marks on the uh on the the hot dog right um because yeah but they because of all of this mayhem they threaten to shut down uh uh, the hot dog eating competition forever, which breaks right. Shaggy's heart. Do you want to talk about what what, what uh, Shaggy and Scooby's reaction to this news is? Oh, the the fact that they like they rend their clothes, like Shaggy tears his clothes to ribbons, which and Scooby Scoob- does the yeah. same with his flesh, rips his fur off of his flesh. It's horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, so oh upsetting. <laughs> And he's like, like, I'm sorry, guys. I think I might not be able to eat hot dogs anymore. And uh, Shaggy says something like, 
I'm, I'm trying to remember the line, but it's like, like, but what about tacos or cookies or small meatballs? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just like, like small meatballs as opposed to, you know, large meatballs. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, you have to make the distinction. And tiny little meatballs. Like, <laughs> it's like part a, of the Fazoli's small meatballs <laughs> eating competition. I was thinking, uh, literally this morning, I was driving around and I was thinking, should I go to Fazoli's? Wait, where are you yeah. based out of, Ethan? Can I uh, ask that? Yeah, I'm in Texas. Um, oh, there, <laughs> hell yeah, brother. Uh, there are not many Fazolis around, but there, uh, there, it was one in my uh, freshman year dorm uh, at, the, at the, the cafeteria. So I would, get, I would get, you know, two slices of pizza for like less than five bucks all the time. Yep. They'd be amazing. Yeah, so I'm in Kansas City, the the greater Texas area, and Fazoli's is definitely a chain that um is <laughs> uh that I I think is really only in the Midwest. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but like whenever my East Coast friends come out to visit me, they're always I always bring them to Fazoli's, not because it's necessarily good, but because it's it's a um, little taste of home. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's uh, Fazoli's for people who don't know. Like, imagine taking, uh, <laughs> imagine taking the Olive Garden, but giving it the like the 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 price and aesthetics of McDonald's, yeah. right? It's it's even more cheap, more low rent, like yeah. Italian fast food. <laughs> it's what Taco Bell is to Mexican food, Fazoli's is to Italian food. Yes, but exactly. not necessarily as a creative i would say <laughs> uh when i was in high school me and my friends would uh, go to fazoli's and just see like how many like how many breadsticks can we and then once you yeah. okay eating more than four fazoli's breadsticks is a bad idea but yeah, once you've had sure. 20 you just you want to die for weeks afterwards uh, it's just like it's just soaked through with like butter and garlic salt which yeah. is delicious at the time but it just sure. uh, it just utterly wrecks your colon and everything else to oh, be yeah. honest oh yeah oh yeah uh um, believe me, uh, while doing research for this episode, um, don't look up the stories about what happens to the competitive eaters after the competitions. Um, very, very gross stuff. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I don't, I didn't even need to look that up because, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's you just, can only I can imagine, um, yeah. and the utter devastation that follows. Terrible, uh, terrible thing. Uh, but yeah, so uh, 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 Shaggy and Scooby are very distraught, right? So, but we, but you know, Velma, she's determined to solve this mystery. She's going to do some. I will say, you know, Velma does a lot of heavy lifting in this episode. I don't know that Daphne or Fred have any lines in this episode whatsoever. Fred might have a few, but I think Daphne like says hello to the factory guy, and that's it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I I don't think Daphne is a person who has time in her life for competitive eating. That's probably true. She's probably both from, very disgusted by this, uh, by everything going on here. Both from like a, a you know, a, 
a, a weight angle but also i think from a class angle yeah. like she's usually portrayed as being like upper crust and this is definitely a very working class lower middle class uh pastime to be invested in daphne may have never eaten a hot dog in her life <laughs> yes that is very feasible do you think that anyone has ever eaten a corn dog in buckingham palace <laughs> what do you think <laughs> what's the over under on that <laughs> has uh i i this is this is so 2017 of me to be doing in 2021 but like like trump's visited buckingham palace That's right true. like yeah. he's someone who uh strikes me as wanting a, a good old corn dog uh interesting maybe maybe I think that might even be too lowbrow for him. You know, he, he yeah, definitely yeah, eats hot exactly. dogs, but corn dogs might, you know, it's on a stick. That might be too. I too just, uh, the other week, I, I went to Sonic and it just occurred to me, like, I haven't had a corn dog in 15 years. I should have one. And I did. And, yeah, um, Sonic corn dogs are, are, are terrific. You know, every now and then they do them for 50 cents. Yeah. I mean, it, it was okay. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, like, I mean, terrific in the sense that. It's what you want out of a terrific corn dog, for a corn dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Corn dogs don't have a high ceiling, but you're right. It's the the Sonic corn dog is good for a corn dog. So Velma is doing this investigation, and she is just just having her way with this museum. Like she thinks she could just go anywhere. She tries to walk into like the secret vault or wherever where they're they oh keep that was so weird there there are several times this uh the the hadigan i keep forgetting his name haggerty what? haggerty yes haggerty i keep saying hadigan like um annie question mark um haggerty he's like like our hot dogs are special because of a secret ingredient and i don't know about you that is literally the last thing i want to hear about a hot dog i don't want to hear about a secret ingredient you know what that means that means like that means human flesh or it means yeah. cat bones or something i don't want hot dogs to have secret ingredients what are you talking about and then you know velma's doing her investigating in and, and, and then he says like you can't go back there that's where the secret ingredient is kept like yeah. okay yeah. so it's corpses it's, yeah. <laughs> scooby-doo's been eating flesh joey chestnut's been eating flesh what else could it be for sure <laughs> i mean she she tries to hack into the keypad with her like her special ipad thing which is like okay sure um little you know little late the, the the ipad thing just feels very like 2010 or whatever as opposed to being a uh you know current technology or yes um but she also uses this ipad to um to control plants she's figured it out somehow they're they're using a a high pitched frequency to control plants right um that she does she 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 says it is a plant growth app <laughs> of course of which there are many yeah you know the app that you could anybody can just download from the app store and use it to create their very own tree monster and and make it do whatever they want simply by by creating a high pitched frequency i mean we all have this don't we we all have this um <laughs> 
our own uh, uh, Jack and the Beanstalk in our, our pocket. So they've solved the mystery with only two clues, which is a high pitch frequency and some bite marks on a hot dog. So it's so, time yeah, so to catch the the monster. To specify it, so it's yeah, so it's like the the plants that burst through and wreck the place. Those are real plants that just got overstimulated by a by an app. Yes. But there is still a person in a tree costume yes, in yes. addition to this. So yes. that's what's getting unmasked. It's to make you know realism or whatever. And the plan to uh, to to capture the monster, naturally we have to use Scooby-Doo as bait because he looks exactly like the hot dog mascot, right? And yeah, the actor quits the, yes, exactly, uh, the actual mascot. Exactly. And, you know, to attract the, uh, the plant monster, Scooby-Doo sings a little song. <laughs> and this song is insane. Like, it's clearly the jingle for the company, but it is truly insane. Uh, I wrote down the lyrics. Oh, boy. So the lyrics to this song are, Don't you know it's great to be a furter? And and picture this while you're listening uh, in Scooby-Doo's voice. So it basically sounds like nonsense. I had to rewind and turn on subtitles. Don't you know it's great to be a furter? Can't you tell it's swell to be a dog? Now this is where it gets b- bizarre. Um, bake me, steam me, boil me, fry me, grill me till I burst. Cover me in onions, but make sure to put mustard on me first. And <laughs> while he's yeah, singing, that was the part he's, when he's pouring I... mustard on his belly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very erotic. Painfully erotic, even. Um... <laughs> The, yeah, the, that was the part that made me think, like, oh, maybe these are, like, actual Chicago dogs. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. putting on some nice onions. Uh, putting no on mention of ketchup. No mention mustard. of ketchup. Yeah, no ketchup. So maybe they only put on the ketchup for, you know, this national hot dog eating competition. But they wouldn't do that normally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but just, I didn't see any poppy seeds on those buns. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, terrific... Uh, terrific little bit there you know they they with joey's help they they catch the monster and it is unmasked and revealed to be big eddie eats of course Uh, whoa kind of a kind of a weak reveal i would say um as you would expect he he dressed up like a tree to stop joey from um you know winning it Again. Well, it was revealed that that Joey lost the previous year to Big Eddie, right. um, and so he wanted to get the hot dog competition canceled so that he could just have the championship in perpetuity. Right, right. And he, he of course had to had to mention that he cheated at the previous one. Um, yeah. Well, know, so we, it's we really. So I Joey. thought this was really weird. Um, uh because uh 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 big eddie eats is an asian man and he's Mm -hmm. like you know it's like of course i had to cheat to you know there was the only way you know anyone could ever defeat um uh (laughs) joey chestnut and you know and matt stoney is also someone with asian ancestry Right. right he's he's uh mixed race and 
It's just like, are they implying, is this Matt Stoney? Like, are they implying that Matt Stoney <laughs> cheated by <laughs> t- telling Joey Chestnut, like, look the other way or whatever? I didn't um, think about that. You're right. I do love uh, that the way he cheats is just by having Joey eat a bunch of muffins before he goes out on stage. It's like, okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. I just, I, I thought that was some, like, really weird implications. Yeah. Or, I don't know, or maybe Big Eddie Eats is an amalgam of, you know, everyone who has right. ever, you know, opposed joey chestnut uh, you know including like takeru kobayashi yeah. and others uh, one, of, one of my favorite bits of the episode happens right here whereas velma reveals her evidence is that she tracked down this uh, big eddie's dentist and and like video chatted with him and compared his dental records with the uh, bite marks on the hot dog and it's like what (laughs) yeah i want if i my dentist i want to have client privileges dentists should be like lawyers they shouldn't be compelled or not even compelled they shouldn't it shouldn't uh, dentists shouldn't feel free to narc about my records to the the cops yeah that's not much to ask i mean the cops can like in in detective shows or whatever they can get dental records but they have to get like a warrant or whatever right like it's due process the dentist doesn't just hand out uh you know dental records to whatever random you know 20 something year old girls video chats and asking like hey i think that you're you're a customer who's a tree monster or whatever like it's insane it's insane velma yeah. Can't can't be doing that, and the dentist should be fired, as far as I'm concerned. It, it, it well, okay. So it is funny that it's like the basically the two things that I identified it as the tree monster as being Big Eddie eats is that like a he ate a lot of hot dogs like he just loved right. eating hot dogs he was addicted to eating hot dogs he couldn't stop myself and b he left bite marks with human teeth in there yes, and yes. Velma's like I didn't think that you know like trees had human teeth and hey you know who that also describes Scooby and Shaggy <laughs> like <laughs> like it easily <laughs> Scooby Doo could have been the monster yes <laughs> she she is her she established that anybody can download this plant app and that any human with teeth has teeth, right? So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> plus, plus Scooby, who also has human right, teeth, despite right. being a dog. Yes, it could be literally anybody. <laughs> but, okay. They just lucked out by the fact that they were able to trap him, and he yeah. know, admitted to doing it. <laughs> um, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, we finish up the episode with the redo to the redo of the... The, the eating competition this time it's it's scooby-doo versus um joey, versus chestnut. joey chestnut officially this time i do feel like an adult great dane could probably eat more than an adult man especially yes. unfettered you know like you just put a pile of hot dogs in front of an adult great dane that thing is gonna just eat until it dies right like this that's why they say you have to you have to to regiment out how much food like big dogs like that get because they'll just eat forever right it should (laughs) be also noted that um i remember this early on uh when 
during the first competition is that both before it gets interrupted by the tree monster or before it ends in Scooby, uh, you know, gets the award. I think both, uh, uh, both Joey Chestnut and Big Eddie Eats get up to 79 or Big Eddie Eats might have been 78. But the point is both of them break what is currently the world record. Right. Predicting Um, the future. Unless... Unless it it is possible that they could be using a different time frame, like right. they definitely they Joey Chestnut could easily pass that number if it was a twelve minute yeah competition. Yeah. That uh, makes sense. Which a lot of hot dog contests do in fact use. So let uh, I guess what I'm saying is that this positions Scooby Doo and Guess Who in our future. It, at the rate that Joey Chestnut's improving, this might be occurring in like 2026 or something. That's that makes sense. You know, maybe by then everybody will have plant apps, right? You know, yes, exactly. The they're they're yeah yeah they're, so they're I was, common. They're yeah. legislated. I was intrigued by this this bit because I was like, "Are we going? Is this a is this a Flash versus Superman moment? Are we going to find out who?" can actually eat more right like are they going to definitively put it set it in stone who is the yeah. biggest championship eater but no they pull some batman versus superman bullshit <laughs> or, or yeah. what i assume godzilla versus kong is going to be which is that like they tie or whatever because you know to echo what happened before shaggy is watching this and he's stress eating because he doesn't know who he wants to win and then he wins because he eats all the hot dogs so they're but all then he shaggy's eaters. not in the contest so that doesn't count You're which right. means they're gonna have after this episode's over they're gonna have to have yet another redo who gets the pickle belt? shaggy in yeah who knows nobody Maybe they should bring Big Eddie Eats back. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> what, did he, what did he really do that was that Maybe bad, they should bring right? back Takeru Kobayashi, who hasn't been as big a name in the last yeah. uh, uh, decade, but that's because he famously got into a huge contract ordeal with um, uh, uh, with a Nathan's hot dog eating contest because, like, when he was like basically the first competitive eating celebrity they contracted him to only do their contests and nothing else and he like you know got in trouble with them when he did another contest and he got banned from nathan's uh hot dog contest for the last 10 years even though he's still out there he's still doing good work um so yeah why not like have a reunited uh, showdown between Sca- uh, Scabby, <laughs> Shaggy, Scooby, uh, uh, Joey Chestnut, Takeru Kobayashi, um, Big Eddie uh, Eats, and and what, might as well round it out at six and bring in Jim Gaffigan, who we also know uh, is a competitive yeah, Jim eater. Gaffigan. I was going to say, <laughs> I was trying to remember what the name of the women's champion right now, like Miki Sudo, oh, right. I think, or something they like that. They all have nicknames. I can't remember yes um but yeah yeah jim gaffigan would be a great choice (laughs) okay so yeah that's the episode it's time for a game peter oh boy yeah this game is a recruit segment it's called jinkies or stinkies and the uh (laughs) cool and the premise of the episode of the of the game is that i pick six stories somehow relating to the topic of the episode and some of those stories they're they're going to be short little stories like little snippets little blurbs and some of them 
are real and some of them I made up. So the real ones are jinkies and the fake ones are stinkies and you have to tell me which ones are which. So you might be good at this because the topic at hand is competitive eating and as you've established you are apparently an expert. I'm not an expert. I just I I know more than the average person, but I don't consider myself an expert. I'm well, I'm just a I'm just an intrigued novice, uh, but let's see how uh, this goes. (laughs) These are some pretty out there stories, so uh, uh, we'll see. Um, Okay, so start out with. In 1909, the Manhattan Fat Men's Club hosted an (laughs) Anything Goes eating competition among three patrons. 315-pound Jack Gossman consumed 210 oysters six pounds of steak, nine rolls, ten cups of coffee, and three large pies. Jack Probst, a 320-pound fellow, ate 190 oysters, 12 pounds of steak, ten rolls, six cups of coffee, and four large pies. But the winner was Frank J. Dotzler, who was a whopping 380 pounds, probably the the patron saint of the Manhattan Fat Men's Club. Uh, He put away... 275 oysters, more than 8 pounds of steak, 12 rolls, 11 cups of coffee, and 3 large pies. He won $50. $50? Yep. Which, I mean, in 1909, that's not that bad. Yeah, I I think... um, I'm, I'm gonna say jinkies, because this is an intricate story. Yes, that is, that is real. Um, uh, it is also funny that, like, if you go... Uh, back to 1909 it's like like 350 pounds or whatever is literally like the heaviest they can conceive a human being today exactly like i I haven't looked up recently like the weight of fatty arbuckle but i'm pretty sure that by modern standards he would be like you know like it reminds me of uh of homer simpson who's like canonically like 220 pounds and it's like wow that's I'm having very fat, dude. Yeah, like at all. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we don't know how tall he is. Maybe he's like three feet tall. Who knows? (laughs) Um, Yes, that one is true. Uh, Moving on. In 2009, Coney Island hosted a competitive eating competition between a trio of elephants and a trio of human beings, the only one of its kind. The elephants consumed a combined 505 hot dog buns in six minutes, while the humans could only make it through 143. In six minutes, you said? Six minutes. Uh, this is hot dog buns, not uh, oh, this full is hot buns. Because okay. I guess, uh, you know, they're... elephants don't eat meat, right? I'm also going to say jinkies to this one. That one is true. You are correct. Good work. Good work. Some scholars have traced the first recorded eating competition to England in the year 1154. The area was undergoing a terrible blizzard at the time, and local peasants were begging the Duke of York to let them stay in his estate where it was warm. He decided that he would let them in if the eight largest men could consume a 220-kilogram stag in one hour. They failed. Uh, I'm going to call Stinky on this one. Good job, good job. I made that one up. I made that one yeah. up. Yeah. 
one it's i <laughs> like oh like clearly there is much earlier attested eating contests and just like uh, imagining like the aristocracy sharing their food doesn't yeah. seem likely mate you're right good point good point, <laughs> good point. um all right in 2012, a Florida man choked to death after winning a roach and worm eating competition. The contest was held at a reptile store, with the grand prize being the honor of taking home your very own pet python. When the owner of the establishment, or, sorry, when interviewed, the owner of the establishment couldn't quantify just how many bugs the guy ate, but he did say he was quote the life of the party and quote he really made our night more fun. Oh, this one's complex. Even though it's like, why didn't she say the guy was homeless? Or uh, I said he was a Florida man. So, oh, a Florida um, man, and maybe, I just sort yes. of thought like Florida man. To, okay, um, so it's just a Florida man. Okay, I was like, why would a homeless guy want to get a a python? Um, I'm going to say jinkies because of how sociopathic that story is. Yeah, it is true. It is true. Okay. <laughs> crazy dark insane story <laughs> um okay here yeah i'd be really upset if you like thought of that yourself <laughs> good, good call good call uh an iraqi restaurant hosted a date eating contest at the 1940 new york world's fair 30 or so teenage boys and girls competed and were judged by stripper gypsy rose lee jungle Ex- explorer frank buck and Mr. Jiggs, a trained chimpanzee. Uh, could you go through the judges again? Mm-hmm. There was a stripper named Gypsy Rose Lee, jungle explorer Frank Buck, and Mr. Jiggs, a trained chimpanzee. Mr. Jiggs. Um, I guess um, the question is like, well, this is... 1940 yeah but i i don't think you know like iraq as we currently understand it didn't really exist back then i don't think but at the same time it could be you know the whatever like the british protectorate or what have you um i am date eating yeah uh, they do like dates um i'm gonna call stinky that one is true um, oh man you know you're right about the iraq thing um maybe like because it's in it was, it was listed as an iraqi restaurant i got that one from a story from npr so maybe I um see. like it just that's referring to like the culture right that you know, makes as sense to the country um because it's just the terminology like you know like right. stripper is like that's like a modern way like okay so if it's like a modern interpretation of what happened but you yeah. know it's like in the 40s they would have called it like a dancer yeah, or something yeah. good call but good call. at the <laughs> jigs the monkey mr jigs a trained chimpanzee yeah of course yeah all okay. right. Or Last blowing one. my go. perfect record, but I'm That's still okay. doing That's well. Okay. Last one. Chicago, 1945. The Cubs are in the World Series. 
Billy Cianis, owner of the Billy Goat Tavern, tried to bring his goat with him to the stadium, but was denied entry. Red with rage, he screamed out, The Cubs ain't gonna win no more, thereby beginning the so-called Billy Goat's curse. That's... Hang on, hang on. In 2015, world-renowned competitive eater Kobayashi and a group of others attempted to break the curse by consuming an entire 40-pound goat in 12 minutes. The next year, the Cubs not only made it to the World Series for the first time in 71 years, but were victorious. Coincidence? You decide. I'm going to call stinkies on that one. That one is true. Oh, man. I mean, the, the... they say that they're, the curse is true, and these the guys really did try to break it in 2015. And all that. I, I kind of gamed myself too much, because I'm like, you're going to have to have another Stinkies eventually. Um, I tricked you! <laughs> yeah, I stopped... Uh, I, I shouldn't have uh, tried to think meta about it. Um, no, but <laughs> that was fun. I was like, think, wait, when was... Um, when, when was the curse of the colonel... Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, Is that another baseball thing? Oh, yeah. Uh, Curse. Oh, that was in. Oh, it's still going on. Um, The Curse of the Colonel is the uh, Japanese equivalent to the Curse of the Bambino. Um,. And it's it's because um, long story short is that like when uh, the Hanshin Tigers, who are basically the Japanese equivalent of the Boston Red Sox, in both kind of their um, city's cultural connotations as well as the uh, devotedness of their fans, when they won the Japan World Series back in 1985, fans celebrated by um uh uh tossing people who resembled each member of the team into the river this was probably in uh what's it called sotenbori anyway um (laughs) but there the back at the in the mid 80s the hanshin tigers had exactly one white guy on the team so in order to (laughs) to throw a quote-unquote white person into the river they broke into the local kfc and grabbed (laughs) the uh life-sized colonel sanders statue oh my god um and tossed it into the river but then they haven't been able to win like the, the the championship for the past 30 years and that's the curse of the colonel they have made it to the japan series in 2003 5 and 14 but they have yet to win i think wow. um so i was wondering like oh did they <laughs> did they like uh, uh finally fix the curse and then takaru kobayashi was like <laughs> time to <laughs> solve some of the other curses could be i don't know um i the concept of eating a a goat in 12 minutes is is disgusting to me i've never i don't think i've ever had goat flesh i don't Um, really care for it i like goat cheese but i do not really like the taste of goat that much um okay it's time to rate this episode wow um there are five tiers peter so the very bottom is rut row that's like the worst of the worst right Yes. Moving up is is uh, called Scooby Dumb, 
which is, you know, for whatever, it's not that great of an episode. It's got some problems or whatever. It's kind of stupid, right? Um, but it's not, you know, like, you could probably watch it again, <laughs> you know. Um, middle of the Road is just, just another mystery, you know, like, we got another mystery on our hands, just a classic thing. Moving up from that is Groovy. These are pretty good episodes that we, that, you know, we enjoy a lot. Very fun, but they're not the cream of the crop. Cream of the crop, though, you know, the S tier is Golden Scoob. That's like the very, very best. Where would you put this one? Um, I think, uh, what's like the, I, the middle of the road one, I think. That is just another mystery. Yeah. Just an, I think just another mystery. Like this wasn't, I, I know for a fact that this Scooby Doo, um, uh, <laughs> the world of scooby-doo can get much much worse yeah oh for sure, and i for think sure. I, I had a this pretty is fun definitely, time this, this is in the upper half maybe even the upper quarter of uh maybe not upper quarter but i i do think this is in the upper half of a uh, scooby-doo and guess who episodes yeah i would actually um, argue that this is about as good as guess who gets so maybe it should go into groovy but you know maybe. I, I, I was debating between the middle one and groovy if you the expert think it's groovy then i will agree with you because I'll, i think I'll call this, this is... one groovy because like it is it there's there's not really any downtime the, the the gang is integrated into the plot very well and like the the, the it makes sense for everything that's happening for like them to hang out with the guests and everything and and there are a lot of fun moments in it too. The reason why I would put it middle of the road is because I, it's like I do think that the mystery is yeah. pretty weak. That's true. Um, That's true. It's it's like doesn't really like it's like oh there's a plant app. <laughs> okay, fine, and yeah, it's just you know that's a good point. Um, yeah, let's let's um, let's but let's, I, I'm fine. I'm fine with groovy again. Like okay. I I think groove again. This is probably like the upper echelons of guess who. I just almost, wanted to uh, air my grievances. Of the ones that I have seen. <laughs> also, also uh, the fact that we never figured out what the mystery ingredient is, which is almost definitely human flesh yeah. for the uh, these hot dogs, and that is a very dispiriting note to be left with. For sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, there's a little bit of darkness there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, well, uh, th- thank you for coming on this show. Um, do you have anything you want to plug? Any social media or anything like that? Thank you for having me. Um, <laughs> well, I, I do have a podcast, uh, the Superhuman Samurai Cyberpod, which is also it's another media analysis you know recap pod uh akin to this one except we are watching the 1994 power rangers inspired uh american tv series uh superhuman samurai cyber squad which is a you know kind of semi-redub of the japanese toku uh denko chojin gridman um uh, except the thing is, we also cover lots of other miscellaneous um, pop culture uh, interpretations by, like, Americans or other Westerners of kind of uh, Asian culture that we see fit, me and my co-host. So we just read um, China Mountain Zhang, which is a book about 
a Maoist future, um, like uh, that is was nominated for a uh, Hugo in a Nebula, I think, back in 1992, and it is kind of the one of the very first uh, um, science fiction books that I know of, at least, uh, to not only feature an Asian American protagonist but also a gay protagonist, oh. um, and it's very progressive in ways that are kind of shocking today when you know back in the 90s it's almost exclusively you know just straight white men doing things and you know this was a really pleasant surprise that you know a book that neither me or my co-host yin had really heard of before we discovered it so that's yeah that's cool um you should be i mean obviously everybody should go listen to that but i would say you know maybe as as uh you know as like a little tidbit in an episode you could discuss uh charlie chan and the amazing chan clan right because i i I posted that in in our chat of things that i might talk about later i yeah i'm secretly a little obsessed with charlie chan and the chan clan i mean what makes Um, it interesting is that that is the only on-screen depiction of charlie chan that is voiced by a chinese man yes exactly it's uh the 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 hanna-barbera take on kind of this classic um He's like this Asian detective from the, you know, early 20th century. I think he's originally in pulp novels. Yeah. Um, And back then, for like the 1920s or whatever, he is, you know, progressive for just, you know, being the only Chinese fictional character who isn't literally Fu Manchu. You know what I mean? Um, But it's for being an actual hero. But yeah, he's in all these 1940s serials, but it's always like white men and yellow face and that sucks. And then, yeah, it's but Hanna-Barbera made a Scooby-Doo-esque show about him and the chain clan where he has 12 kids and they all have different personalities and they all solve mysteries and stuff um uh i'm not gonna say great show but it is an interesting (laughs) show definitely an interesting uh bit of pop culture ephemera which is what yours and my pop uh podcasts are all about exactly exactly um this was this was so fun thank you for having me on normally when i'm asked to go on podcasts it's you know usually for something like you know some serious history and then i i I talk for three and a half hours and fortunately this (laughs) i only went for two hours this time (laughs) um but this is definitely i i just love being able to talk about things that are a little more ephemeral and fun um and the scooby-doo is great um i'm definitely gonna try to uh get around to watching mystery incorporated i didn't even get to talk about like how scooby-doo specifically shaggy kind of is a key component of one of my favorite meme cultures of all time which was a, a 2018 um latin american dragon ball uh 
tier posting, which like the whole context behind that is so absurd and in depth that well, it is not the appropriate time to yeah, go into it I'll right tell you now. What, that will be a tease for the next time you come on this show. Sure. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> we can talk about uh, uh, Gohan Blanco in a, a Shaggy <laughs> Rojo Super Saiyan Four. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Believe um, me, that is a crazy anything? rabbit hole. Oh, uh, what else? Um, yeah. Also, I have like a letterboxed right at sure. like Peter Bushman, an absolute M- uh, must follow. I will say. Sorry, say it again. Oh, thank you. Uh, I well, I get confused every time. Like, oh, you know, because like you have your username, but then yeah. on your page it lists your real last name. So I don't know which one is which. Um, but it it is either Mantelord, which is my screen name, or yes, it just, is Peter Bushman. I've just pulled it up. It's letterbox.com slash Mantelord. Um, he goes into incredible detail about all kinds of crazy uh, animation things and is very, uh, very much worth reading. And he's uh, funny uh, sometimes. Sometimes, too. sometimes, often it's just <laughs> it's just like, oh wow, all Gundam politics is sexual pathology. <laughs> I just uh, I just watched Char's Counterattack, fantastic movie, but um, I need to I I, I need to stop <laughs> stop going on and on. Do you have any uh, plugs oh, for yeah, yourself, yeah, yeah. Ethan? Um, yeah, you can you can follow me at at the real Brundine on Twitter, and you can follow the show by the time this is uh actually published um it'll be at heavy metal pot you know so follow us such on such a great title Thank i know you. everyone's Thank told you. you that but it is a great title <laughs> so yeah follow us on twitter for updates and scooby-doo memes or whatever and you know subscribe to the podcast so you'll get new episodes every week and we'll see you next time thank you so much for listening and Stay meddling, meddlers. Don't you know it's great to be a fiddler? Can't you tell it's swell to be a dog? Bake me, steam me, boil me, fry me, grill me till I burst. Cover me in onions, but put mustard on me.